From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Nudists, some of them, love mac and cheese. Wait, what? What is even going on anymore? It's just so infuriating every time we do these. Let me go get a glass of milk, some of my chocolate chip cookies, and good old supermarket sweep. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Starting off another week of Cofield and Company. Ari's here in the Finley Toyota Studios. Adam Hill is the company. Steve Cofield. You can tweet at us at ESPN Las Vegas. The Sean Watson decision is in, so that'll be a big part of today's show. We're also going to talk about the G League Ignite, another professional team moving here to Las Vegas. We're going to try to track down the coach, Jason Hart, former NBA player. Sometime this hour, he'll be on. It's all a big surprise. It's all a very big surprise. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. I'm going to say, first of all, I never complain about the weather, and I was actually complaining that it wasn't hot enough in May and June. But, boy, I'll give – I got to give you guys credit who do this football thing every day. Man, I'm making sure this year I'm out at Raiders a lot more, and obviously UNLV is my beat. Woo! You guys got to tough it out. These players, man, folks out there, like, think about it. When you're walking around, you're like, 57% humidity in Vegas? You know, when it's like 98? Imagine what the players are going through. Even yeah. if they're in half pads, man – Man, it was hot yesterday. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, Adam gets up. Adam gets up early, so I want to give him credit coming out here. Same thing with Willie. You guys get up early, so to have energy. I know it sounds ridiculous. Like we could work real jobs, you know, like my dad did. Sure. You know, union jobs. Uh, you know, manual labor jobs where it sucks. You have to get up early and work the whole time outside. But anyway, the fact that you guys have energy coming in is a good thing. I actually, this is like very unusual for me in August. I was like, I need a pre-show coffee, <laughs> which actually takes me back to. You ever think about all the people you've worked with and the interesting characters? So years ago, I had a guy I worked with. When I was in college, I um, I delivered eggs, right? I've told you about that job before. You know, sure. vans and, like, 14-foot box trucks. I think one time I got to drive the 22-foot the box. Um, but we deliver eggs. You know, it's, hey, it's New Jersey. It's hot during the summer, and it's humid. Uh, but I... One of the guys who trained me early on, this guy literally could have been 39 or 75. Like, when you're young... Like, everyone who's older than you, you just think is so old. I think we have a new name for that now. What is that? Uh, Jermaine Illuminor, who I think is like 26. And if you look at him, you think he might be 90. He's got Greg Oden face? Not even fa- Like, he's got the horseshoe working, too. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. He's got the, the classic hair. He, huh? he had his helmet on yesterday, and we were all saying, like, why did they let a retired player come back right. and stand out here? Oh, it's Jermaine Illuminor. Yeah, you see Armani Rogers, UNLV quarterback of the patch. You're like, wow, that's grizzled old veteran coming back from professional football. No, he's Keon he's 19, Clark. He's nineteen. Keon Clark was an older looking guy as well. <laughs> yes. He uh, he did a lot of aging to himself. Sure, over the years. But anyway, so that we uh, this guy you know trained me a little bit, and uh, I think he was sauced almost all the time. Okay, but uh, he also swore by coffee, hot coffee, and I just I will always remember when I drink hot coffee and it's like a hundred. With sixty percent humidity, he back then he was like cools you down. And I'm like eh, I don't think it does, but I still remember that line because it was so absurd. What's What's worse though? Because my dad has a ridiculous theory that theory? is so, somewhat similar. If it's pouring rain, yeah, he walks super slow, yeah, 
And he said you get less wet if you walk very slow in the pouring rain. That's interesting. It's, it's I don't like think it's that's less true. surface area or something. I don't like. I don't understand. I think what do you mean? Le- I think that's less true than the coffee cools you down when it's hot. I think they're both insane. They're insane. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, the other thing about that guy that I and I cannot remember his name, but the other, the other thing I always remember it was like thirty years ago. Um, is driving through a parking lot one time, and he just he just didn't see that well. And we were in like one of the big trucks, just squared up a shopping cart. Just right into it at like, you know, 30 miles an hour through a parking lot. It was like, whoa, okay, all right. So wait. Let's pull over and take a nap. What you just informed us is this this gentleman may have been drunk most of the days at work and couldn't see. Why was he driving and you were in the passenger seat? Uh, he never cracked an egg in his whole career. Okay. That's the most important thing. All the eggs got there. Did you? Safe and sound. I made it. Well, I'm here. I made it. I was never thrown through the windshield or anything. No, but I mean, did you crack an egg when I you were I probably driving? did, yeah. I probably okay. did. I was probably a little sloppy with a hand truck. So you a lot got of stairs. Side? A lot of stairs and old school diners. A lot of tight fits. <laughs> that sounds awful. Yeah, I have a lot of power up on the shoulder. You throw you threw them up on the shoulder, brought them in, or a big hand truck, and drop them down some stairs. They also something. did soup. Would, would you eat soup on a hot day to cool off? Absolutely. Same, same well, that, that's a whole other discussion, yeah. The Mammoth Park, the racetrack, yeah. He's like scalding hot clam chowder on the third floor of that track, which is... Boy, I went back a couple years ago. There's no AC there. It is hot. And people come up and be like, yep, let's go. Clam chowder. 98 degrees. All right. I, I can listen. I think it's stupid. I can listen to the theory that hot coffee or hot soup could potentially cool you down. On hot, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. But I'll listen to it. Don't. I love clam chowder. Not on a hot summer day. I agree. It's not a hot summer day I don't, soup. I don't think it works. Sweating over your food. Yeah, it's not. it's not good. So there you go. We just... We've just endured, if you've been listening to sports radio all day, you've probably endured, what, a good 10 hours now of Deshaun Watson talk, so now <laughs> it's our turn. It is, it's a massively important story, and there's going to be blowback here the next few days. Now let's see if it continues beyond that, but if you didn't hear, Deshaun Watson gets a six-game suspension, which I'm sure makes Adam Hill happy for the joke that he made when they installed the mandatory six-game suspension. He gets a six-game suspension... So we went through this whole process, and Judge Sue Robinson sort of followed what the NFL wants for a baseline penalty in these kind of offenses. But there's there's a lot of nuance in this case with Deshaun Watson. So he'll be out the first six games of the season for the Browns. Yeah, I mean, that's the bottom line of this. Now, obviously, all the other arguments, and I think they're valid. And I think there's interesting discussions and things to be said and, and talked about. And by the way, we don't know yet because the NFL – could still appeal this. They have three days to make that decision if they want to. And keep in mind, what I think they're doing is listening to feedback and seeing what people say. Because if there is an appeal, the arbiter on the appeal is Roger Goodell. Yeah, back to judge, jury, and executioner, Raj. Which is that makes zero. However you feel about this, right. that should outrage you. Has to be done in about two weeks. That's it. They got three days, and then the process after that is about 10, 12 days, and then we'll know what the final penalty is if the NFL chooses to appeal. And you knew yesterday that the games were going to start to you know, be played because it, it appears it was leaked that it was going to be something eight or less. And then the NFLPA is like, hey, you know what? We don't know what the penalty <laughs> sure. is, but everyone should abide by Judge Sue L. Robinson's decision here. Well, so the appa- NFLPA is good with it. Apparently, Deshaun Watson's side is not happy either. Because they, dis- they argue that it should be zero. And by the way, I... Do it. I, Do it. You'll be the first person I've heard on radio, and I listened to a couple shows today. Say it. Well, say it. Because I've seen I've seen list of suspensions. Yeah. Right. Oh, Calvin Ridley, indefinite. Really, right. you know, it's definitely going to be a year. Had to do Th- with the game. This 
right now is a 23-game NFL suspension. That it was my. I don't know right how away. no one no one's mentioned it today, and I don't want to sit here and argue about the severity, what the length should be, but it really is that he didn't play last year. Right, and, and 23 games. Listen, of course this is the, the hot, six plus 17. Do the math. Of course, this is the hot topic at the facility this morning. Uh, you know, obviously everybody would assume that everybody was talking about it, and I was accused of quote defending Deshaun Deshaun Watson. Listen, first of all, I would have zero problem right now if Deshaun Watson was in jail. If that was, if it's a crime, you'd have a problem with it. No, if it's a crime, if, if it was, yeah, if it was, if it's if, a crime, and they want to put him in jail if for it, was a proven crime. put him in jail. I've been consistent with all these and said if it doesn't have to do with the game, I don't think the NFL should be involved. And if the court system cleared him, not cleared him of wrongdoing, but they declined to press charges and pursue it, then I don't necessarily think the NFL should be involved in it. So I'd be okay with that. But yes, to your point, and I've said this since the beginning. He already had a 17-game suspension. Now you can call it what you want that it, the team sat out. I, some people said to me today, didn't he decide to sit out last year? No. Ah. no. 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 The league told the team, don't play him. And the team, for their purposes, was tanking anyway. So, like, okay, cool. We'll just sit him. He already missed 17 games. This is not a defense of Deshaun Watson. That's just what happened. Facts. So it's, Malicious it's facts. 23 games that he's getting. Mm-hmm. And it... If you want to say that's that's not enough still, fine. If you want to say it's too excessive, fine. But let's actually frame it the way it's supposed to be framed. It's a 23-game suspension, and that's where we stand right now, whether they push forward or not. And I will I will also make – I'll say it again. I just said it. It should make you mad on both sides. If the NFL now says we're appealing, we're hearing the appeal, and we're I- imposing this discipline, even if you think Deshaun Watson got off easy – you should be furious at that. That is a ridiculous system. How could you possibly think that's okay? Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company. Yeah, love his attitude. Works really hard when he's on the field. Very coachable. He's a great kid. He was out there yesterday and, and doing some things uh, both in the kicking game and off, uh, offensively. So hopefully everybody's getting ready to play Thursday night and uh, all the guys that are able will do that. And uh, hopefully Zamir will be in that category. Rolling on here on a Monday, Cofield and company out of Hill is here. Steve Cofield. So we got another pro team coming to town. This one's really exciting. It's going to be over in Henderson. It's the uh, G League Ignite. We got to do some fact finding on this. We know Jaden Hardy played for him last year. Well, Jason Hart is the coach, former NBA player, Syracuse guy, Inglewood guy. So we got a lot to get into. Coach, how you doing? It's Steve and Adam here in Vegas. I'm doing good, man. How you guys doing? We're good. First of all. Did you have an NFL team growing up? You're uh, you're from Southern California. Did you have a team? Yeah, I grew up uh, loving the Raiders. I'm a Raiders fan to this day. I took a I took a wild guess. Our uh, our vast sound department. I was like, you know, we should put some Raiders fight song music in there because I think Coach Hart may have been a Raiders fan. Why were you a Raiders fan? Well, I just always liked the black and, and silver. And then I grew up. Uh, my favorite running back was uh, Marcus Allen, and I was a you know I played Pop Warner all the way up. So. Yeah. It was just a, a match made in heaven with the football love. What did you play in football? What position? I was a quarterback. Really? A quarterback from, yeah, six years old all the way up to my sophomore year in high school. What if you kept playing high school football? Were you good enough to, to play at the next level? 
Well, you know what? I, I mean, I made the NBA, so I think I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was a good athlete. So had I transitioned to, to receiver, it wasn't going to be quarterback. It probably would have been receiver. I thought I probably could have had a chance at least getting a Division One scholarship. There you go. How, how similar is point guard to quarterback? Like, I mean, you're trying to put your teammates in the best position. You're trying to read the defense, pass the ball. I mean, there is a lot of similarities, but how similar did you find it? It's the same. I mean, you're the leader, you're the coach on the field. So it's it's all that that position is a leadership position, and you have to be even keel for both, and you got to be the one that your teammates trust. So it's the same position uh, in both sports. So coming up through your career, I mean, did you always feel like coaching might be in your blood that it might be something you wanted to do? Definitely. Uh, I I you know wanted to be a coach. You know, starting toward the end of my career. I thought it was the best place where I can give back to the game because the game had been good to me for so many years. And so, you know, my coaching journey started in AAU, then went to high school, then went to college, and now I'm doing this Ignite. But it's still the same journey in giving back to trying to help these particular players uh, make it to the NBA and get drafted as high as possible. So let's do some fact-finding to uh, intro you guys to the market. You're going to be playing in Henderson, and Jason Hart, former NBA player, is with us. He's the head coach of the Ignite. Where were you guys, and what was the setup like there? So we was based out of uh, Walnut Creek, California, which is about five miles from uh, the, uni- uh, the University of Cal Berkeley. Okay. So we was living in Northern California. That's where we trained at. We trained at a facility called the Ultimate Fieldhouse. And um, it was a great place, nice city. We played our home games here at the Mandalay Bay. So the program, this is the third year of the program. It was initiated two years ago during the bubble. And so that first year you didn't need a home because everybody played in the bubble. Right. Then last year we, 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 we still was in Walnut Creek, but we played our home games in Vegas. And I thought the market was great. And obviously the NBA thought it was a great market. So they decided to merge with the city of Henderson and bring the Ignite to the city of Henderson. That is very now we cool. have a home. Yep, yeah, brand new arena. With the, have you been over to check out the Dollar Loan Center? Yeah, when we got introduced to the city uh, about two weeks ago, um, you know, we met everybody, the mayor of the city of uh, Henderson, um, the CEO of the actual building. So great. Henderson, and it's a lot of excitement, and I can't wait to, to get started. So you, you talked about wanting to coach and giving back to the game. I, I just wondered what you feel at this level when you're in the G League and obviously the players – uh, are looking to you know better themselves and to potentially move on to the NBA. How much is it about development and working with them to try to just get better individually? And how much is it about just trying to win games? No, it's it's it's, it's well, I want to win games because I'm a competitor and <laughs> right. you know, we get judged on winning. But the actual winning is when they shake the commissioner's hand in June. So it's development. Our team is a developmental team. We take an 18 year old. And we put them in an environment where they play a high-level competition, and we want to see if they can sink or swim. But it's, it's a still hold-the-hand process in teaching them the, the NBA game. So they're being evaluated on their long-term term potential by NBA teams. So this is a developmental team, but they have to compete at the level, and, and we're showing that they can be pros. And I guess along those same lines, I mean, you've you've been there, done that before, uh, been through what most of these these kids have gone through. Uh, how much of your job do you see is you know teaching them basketball, and how much is just you know what it's going to take to you know succeed at the next level as a person and and that maturity level? It's a little bit of both. It's 
basketball because they have to learn the NBA waltz. And the NBA waltz is, if you watch the NBA game, you see guys come down, they can pass, cut, screen away. They don't need no play calls. So we're teaching these guys how to learn the NBA waltz. And then also me being, I played you know, in the NBA, is teaching them how to be pros on and off the court. But it's more so like we're partners in this business. I'm the coach, but we're still partners, and you can come to me we can talk about anything to where it's college is more dictators, little country. You know, listen <laughs> to the coach and that's it. Here, here is partnership so we can try to help you become the best player you can become. We're not trying to win a national championship. So sometimes winning a national championship may um, uh, put the development part second, but this is development first. I hope you aren't saying that Jim Beheim is a dictator. No, I went to college. <laughs> college is a great game because, yeah. you know, for me, I had to go to college and play four years. Right. This is for the, the type of talent level that's the one and done, who you think, who I think, who the NBA think is ready to be a pro within six months. So the program is not for everybody, just for a select few, maybe three to five kids per year. Jason Hart, coach of the Ignite. They're going to be playing in Henderson, uh, played games here last year. We're going to be out at the uh, DLC. So with uh, Jaden Hart, he was a local uh, do you think he took advantage yep. of the year? And then what do you think of, you know, about what happened to Jaden? Not, nothing to be embarrassed about. He got drafted in the second round, but a lot of people thought, hey, he might go in the first round. Well, it just, it, I thought he was going to go in the first round. And so uh, I thought the experience for him was good. He was able to learn, you know, what the NBA wants. You know, a lot of times we, when you're a young player, you want to do it, you know, kind of like your way. But like, like I told you earlier, learning the NBA walk, how can I fit in with, a Luca. Now he's got to fit in with Luca, and how is one of our other players going to fit in with uh, Giannis? So that's what we teach him at. You, you, you know, in high school it's about you, you, you. But when you get to the <laughs> NBA, you playing with Luca or Giannis. You got to learn how to play with them, play off of them, because it shifts from you to learning how to blend in until you get your uh, footing on how to be a pro. You coached uh, Jonathan Kaminga a couple of years ago, right? Well, I was in US at USC at the time. That was Brian Shaw. Okay. Brian Shaw was the first coach of the of the Ignite. He did it for one year, then he went uh came the assistant coach with the Clippers. That was kind of an interesting year last year for the the G League, the Ignite guys trying to, you know, break through in the NBA. It's not an easy process when you when you first get to the league and you're nineteen, twenty years old. No, it's not. And and because it's you know, it's just you know, obviously being a pro and so what we try to do is be that stopgap or that pathway for the development, for the on and off, and learning who you are as a person, learning how to deal with other professionals on your team, and just overall just you know being able to come to work every day, being available, teaching them to play through any injuries, not injuries, but bruises and bumps. And, you know, it's 82 games in the NBA, so it's, it's a whole process. We just try to help them get started on the test they take it. Jason Hart's with us, coach of the Henderson Ignite. You coached high school, right? Did you like coaching high school? Yes. You know, that was that was more like uh, good for me because I had just retired from the NBA. I was getting back into the game. I wanted to go to college. I understand the mindset of, you know, the high school age kids, how the parents were involved, how the AAU coaches were involved, and learning that whole dynamic. So coaching high school was great for me. I got a chance to learn a lot and obviously moved on to college, but that was great for me. Was uh, That was a Taft. Was was uh, Dinwiddie yeah. there right before you got there? Or? 
Yeah, Dinwiddie was there probably about six, seven years prior to. He was oh, six, seven years. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah. We always have ties to him covering UNLV because he uh, he picked Colorado over UNLV, and UNLV's kind of struggled over the years to get a point guard. He turned out to be a a hell of a freaking player, big time player. Your NBA career. What was the favorite group that you played with? Wow, I think I, I would say the Charlotte Bobcats. We, we didn't win a lot of games, but it was a bunch of young guys trying to find their way in the NBA. And Bernie Vickerstaff uh, gave us all that opportunity. And so I think that was my best experience as far as playing, just being able to figure out who you are as a pro and then getting that opportunity, which uh, is so hard to do in the NBA. I was looking at your 2008-2009 L.A. Clippers, right? So, you know, for you, that's, that's, that's an awesome experience. You get to play right near Englewood. That group was a fascinating mix of veterans and young guys because old guy, you know, older guys like yeah. Tim Thomas and Marcus Camby, yeah. uh, DeAndre Jordan yeah. was a rookie. And then I think the most fascinating guy for me is, is the greatest old man basketball player in the world now, Katino Mobley, because he kills people. Yeah. He is great still. Yeah. Well, he was like one of the most ultimate competitors. I got a chance to play with him two years. And um, if it wasn't for a a heart, maybe he had a heart ailment when he got traded to the Knicks and he had to retire. But he loved the game. He still plays to this day. He plays in the big three. Yeah. And he got a huge passion for the game. And he's a great individual as well. So he's probably one of the most – Guys that love the game, and you can tell he's still playing right now when he, when he really doesn't have anything to play for. Yeah, he's a he's a real good lesson. Don't judge the book by the cover because he's got like the big gray beard, and you're like, who? What is this guy? And then all of a sudden he's you know he's, yeah. he's killing people off the off the dribble, raining jumpers. Uh, last couple questions. Jason Hart is with us. G League Ignite okay. going to be playing in Henderson. Adam, go ahead. No, uh, what can people expect to see out of your team? What kind of style are you trying to play? And uh, uh, what you know what are the fans see when they come out to see the games? Well, when they come to this place, man, you're going to see a, a bunch of young guys trying to figure out who they are, and they eventually hit, hit, they hit their footing. But it's going to be an exciting style because, you know, when you're young, you're still at that stage where you, you'll try anything. It may not always work, but they're going to try it. And the fans will get to see them grow. So what they look like in October will be totally different in January, and that's the beauty of this process. Um, they get to grow with our players, and obviously they will turn into lottery picks and people will get to see that whole process. Did you have to figure that part of it out that, you know, you're kind of working with guys for a short period of time, and by the time that you really get them to where you want to be, then they're moving on? Yeah, well, you know, being a college coach, that's part of this process. Um, you can't hold talent back. And here is we're kind of, um, you know, that's what we're promoting. You know, come here, get ready, then go to the NBA. So um, that's great. Uh, that's part of the, this whole deal. I think uh, the, the relationships you, you forge with them are, are lifelong. So, although they leave, they still uh, know where they started at. Coach, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, brother. There is Jason Hart up with Cofield and Company, NBA player for upwards of ten years. Was a really good player at Syracuse G League season, if I'm correct. Unless they're going to reset the season, usually starts in early January. They play you know, roughly 36 games, so. Now they'll be in a an arena over in Henderson, and I would advise going out there. They're going to have a nice roster, and uh, I was talking last week. I don't think you were on, but uh, there was a pretty big recruit who was down to Kansas, Oregon, 
Iowa State. NG League. Iowa State got him. Huh. Otzelberger got him. It's like the first top 10. He's a top 10 player, too. That's uh, Henderson's loss. Stabs, are we, are we stabs suppo- Vegas in the back again. Are we supposed <laughs> to? Believe me, that we'll get to it later. Chris Beard pulled it. Damn it, he pulled it again. <laughs> the guy won't go away. He stole one of UNLV's assistants. We'll get to that later on. But uh, coming up in about 15, Dave Koken on the MLB trade deadline. A lot of movement today. Yankees loading up. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. They hired this federal retired judge. They obviously respect her, both sides. She looked at it. She came out with a decision. Hey, man, that's it. That should be it. People are saying, why would he settle if he was innocent? Hey, look, guys, he's not going to change anybody's mind no matter what he does. He can't change my mind. I think he probably was out of line with some of the girls, and I think some of the girls jumped on board because there was a chance of making money. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Does anyone spit the truth about the justice system and arbitration more than one O.J. Simpson, hometown hero O.J. Simpson, who gives no Fs. He's the one guy you can lean on in sports where you're like, go ahead, O.J. Don't be careful. Don't offend anyone. It's like, I don't care. He's like, I've been, I've been through this. Respect the decision. Is O.J. ever out of line with any women? Nicole? Respect the decision. So, just saying. They went to court for OJ. Respect the decision. Is that how he would describe what happened in that night? More Deshaun Watson, <laughs> six-game suspension coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Today was the last practice before the Hall of Fame game for the Raiders? Yeah. But I don't – well, I think we're – That you have access to. Yeah, they'll have like a walkthrough. Yeah. I'm just saying I, I also think they're taking a couple days off after the game, but I don't know that that's public, so I'll just, I'll just say last practice for a while. It is now. Last practice for a while out in Henderson till like next Monday. Do you expect any of the top? How deep could it go with not playing in this game? Like top thirty players? Could they? Could they give like eight? Eight of the twos? They might play like even more. They might that? play a drive. Really? I mean, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't expect it. I wouldn't bet that they do, but it's possible. I mean, they're they're being very secretive about who's playing, who's not. I don't think Derek Carr plays. I don't think Devontae Adams plays, but. Um, you, there are some decisions to be made about starting lineup guys, Like there are a couple positions that are still kind of up for grabs. I think for the most part, we know who the starters are in the team. There's a couple spots though, including, you know, say right tackle. Uh, I think it's, there's a answer to who the starter would be today, but there is still a battle going on and it's tough at a position like that to really get a gauge on a guy if he doesn't have the other guys around him. So I, I don't. You know, again, I wouldn't bet that a lot of guys are playing, but would I be surprised if the first team offensive line is out there for the first series? No, not necessarily. Uh, so th- th- those are some things to watch for. Like I said, I don't think Devontae Adams, I don't think Derek Carr, I don't think uh, Hunter Renfro are necessarily playing. Waller Jones. I'd, well, I would have been a lot of money that Chandler Jones is not playing after missing four straight days of practice. Uh, Darren Waller's missed the last two. We don't know why, but I don't think he's playing either. Uh, so yeah, I mean, those kind of guys, I would say are probably Max Crosby's probably not playing. Stiddy, Nikki Garby all play. Yeah. Jared Stidham. Yeah. Nick Mullins. Case Garbers. I was like, Garby. <laughs> okay. I figured we we're going with the Since Stiddy okay. is Stiddy. We have to go Nikki. with them all with a e. Nikki. 
Nikki. Nikki Mullins. I've not heard anybody say that. Say that one. New nickname. Okay. While he's around. Okay. I think they play. Yes. All three play. I think so. So if you're giving betting advice, isn't that one of the big things? That there's a decent quarterback out there most of the time. I don't know if Garbers is decent. Yeah, there was a huge swing to Jacksonville today, so why? Um well I think I think reading between the lines of the Raiders basically saying, you know, they, they're not committing to who's playing at all. So I think people took that as they're not playing. Now look, it's it's swing. It goes from one and a half Raiders to one and a half Jaguars. Not the biggest. I mean, you still have the key number both ways, but um definitely changed a favorite. So there was definitely some money flowing in today on uh on the Jacksonville side. We got an awesome Oktoberfest event coming to town. No segue there. Uh two tickets, seven oh brew. Seven oh brew, Oktoberfest, four day festival, September 29th, October second. It's at the Orleans. This week only, you buy one ticket, you get one free. You go to orleansarena.com to get more info. By the way, when you go and you want the buy one, get one, the BOGO, beer 22 is the code, beer 22. But right now, Ari's got two tickets, 7-0 Brew, Oktoberfest, September 22nd to October 2nd, 29th to October 2nd, Orleans Arena, 364-1100, caller 7364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. He gives no Fs, and that's why you love him. It's Dave Koken on Cofield and Company. All right, rolling on here. We'll uh, track down Koken sometime during the show today. It's Adam Hill across the way. Cofield, Ari in the Finley Toyota studios. Remember these two days? Remember these two days, like, uh, way back when in, like, 2004, MLB trade deadline days. We're going even further back to, like, the the mid-'90s when Adam was a listener, but uh, Adam was with uh, other forms of Cofield and Company in that 2004, 5, 6, 7 range, and, man, these were big days. Now, I think we've already seen some cool stuff go down. Trade deadline days are interesting when lots of teams are involved. And there's no excuse for lots of teams to not be involved. I know Adam hates this because I am, go for it, within reason, be responsible. Think about it. You know, one of the, because we we all, you know, we'll all reference back, I don't know, when the hell was it? When the hell was it? The Tigers. I'm going to sound old here. The Tigers trading for Doyle Alexander and sending John Smoltz. In the deal to the Braves when the Tigers were going for it. That was 1987. Okay. Those things happen sometimes. They do. Tigers got to the playoffs. I was at one of the games. I mean, the ultimate goal is to try to win a World Series. And if you think, you know, you're going to be a little closer. Um, Larry Anderson from the Astros to the Red Sox for Jeff Bagwell. Oof. Hall of Famer who somehow went from. Paul Tuckett, Triple A, where he hit four home runs to hitting how many did he hit for his career? Over four hundred and fifty. He got bigger somehow. Anyway, Jeff, Jeff Bagwell was awesome. Whether More, his know, body matured, he got yeah, bigger. he did. He was a truck, and he was a great player. Right? Those things happen sometimes when you're going for it. Um, now, you and I have had the argument forever when you're near the dance floor and you're maybe you're a couple of years ahead of schedule, right? Like the the Orioles are probably a little ahead of schedule, but they've been off the schedule like. The rebuild is so friggin' long. 
So my thing is reward the fans, make them feel good, make a run at going for, you know, 85 wins and, and making the wild card. Try, and I like what Seattle did in being super aggressive in getting Luis Castillo. But that's not where we're going to start. Dave Koken is with us. Hey, Dave, how are you? Good. Let's start off with a trade deadline period here with what happened today. Very interesting with the closer swap, Hater to the Padres, Rodgers to the Brewers. What do you make of this one? Uh, I was surprised, but the Brewers apparently feel they can do fine with Williams uh, doing most of the closing. And uh, Hater, they're not going to be able to pay all these pitchers. And they... I think they're going to make a, uh, an attempt to keep their starting pitchers. And that's, I, I think that was the key to the trade. Okay. How do you think Hader will do in San Diego? Well, he hasn't pitched well the last month, but prior no. to that, he was, he was sensational. Uh, I don't care where he's pitching. If he's got his stuff, he's, he's completely dominant. Okay. Could the Padres be doing anything else? I mean, obviously, they've been in the discussions around Soto. Yeah, they'll probably finish second like they usually do as far as uh, that goes. I, I still think he's going to the Cardinals. I've said that all along, and uh, we'll see what happens. My Lord. Cardinal system is that rich that they can add Soto? Yeah, it's rich right now. And yeah. These are major league ready guys. Yeah. Uh, Bader, Gorman, I would think those would both be guys that are uh, included in the trade and maybe another prospect or two. Um, so... And what do you want? You want guys that have already proven they can play in the majors or guys who might be able to play in the majors? So I think the Cardinals are a better position than anybody. Yeah, I agree. The former, you know, if you uh, you have a highly touted prospect who's right on the verge, and in Gorman's case, he's come up and he's looked, he's looked pretty good. All right, so the first big bomb that was dropped was Seattle going out and being super aggressive to get Luis Castillo. What do you think of that deal from the Reds? I think they overpaid. I mean, I like Castillo, but... This is what happens when you go when you want to beat everybody else. Sometimes you have to pay too much, and they get up three of their top five prospects, and that's a lot. Um, but Castillo, yeah, look, he's a very good pitcher, and Seattle's desperate to get to the postseason. They haven't been there in forever, um, so and they they obviously think they've got a team that is ready to seriously contend. Um, I. I don't think they can win. Can they get? I, I no. I don't think they're good enough to get to the World Series. But I guess getting the playoffs is uh, the first step. How come? Why don't you think they can make it to the World Series? Because the Astros and Yankees are considerably better than they are. All right. Well, I mean, if Castillo and Robbie, if Robbie Ray straightens himself out, that's a that's a damn well, good one too. Uh, yeah, it's a good one too. But it's matched by what's in Houston and the Yankees, and both those teams have. Vastly superior offenses. Yeah, the and Seattle's, uh, Seattle's offense is not real good. No, uh, obviously Rodriguez has been a freaking marvel uh, coming up as a rookie. W- one more hardcore question here: Who is the guy you like the most in that group that the Reds got? Marte, Arroyo, Stout, Moore. Uh, two shortstops in the mix and two right-hand I, pitchers. I think Marte's <laughs> apparently the one that people are buzzing the most about. Hmm. Uh, but you know, uh, who knows? Because sometimes guys stall and other guys take off. Dave Koken, Baseball Wiz. You can find all of his stuff up at uh, wagertalk.com. Awesome on college basketball, the NFL. We know that's coming up right around the corner. We're going to ask about the Raiders preseason game here uh, once we get through some of the baseball stuff. Is David Peralta to Tampa a significant deal or not? No. Okay. Why do you think they were so gung-ho to get him? I saw that they they DFA'd uh, who, Brett Phillips today? Yeah, uh... 
I mean, you know, he's 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 a decent everyday guy, but he, I don't. He's not a, a big difference maker, and they, they, the pitching just isn't there. Otani. People were talking to the Angels, uh, and then they, they made a big declaration. That's it. Talks are over. They, they did exactly what I thought they were going to do, which was they put out feelers right. just to see if anybody would make a ridiculous offer. Nobody did. And he'll be on the market next year because he's not going to stay there as a free agent, I wouldn't think. So next year, around this time, You'll probably, unless the Angels are playing well, um, you'll probably see a lot of Altani talk. But if that decision is made, shouldn't they just do it now? Wouldn't they get a lot more for him this year than they would next year? No. No, I, I don't think they would. Um, I mean, I, you know, well, apparently nobody, look, <laughs> whoever, whoever trades him or trades for him is going to do so with the intention of signing him. So there's only two or three teams, and they apparently weren't going to offer him. Uh, what the uh, Angels would require. Because the Angels would have to get, like, just a massive haul. And, 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 you know, you get... Why would you trade away a guy now when you can get another year of revenue out of him? Uh, Is there anybody who produces more revenue in baseball than him? Right. And sadly, that's kind of the position the Angels are in right now is they're kind of a middling franchise, and now Trout Mm -hmm. is jacked up again with injuries. Um were you? We talked last week about the Red Sox and potentially pulling the plug on guys like Bogarts because he can get out of his contract. He's got three years left, but he has an option to get out. Are you a little annoyed that they, you know, like the next day they were like, "Nope, we're not trading him." Uh, they're not trading Bogarts, which means I guess they're going to try and sign him. Uh, whether they can or not, who knows? But the Red Sox have certainly got the payroll capabilities to do so, and apparently they would like to keep him there. Whether he stays or not, I don't know. I don't know the guy, and I don't know his agents. So. Right. No idea. Should the Red Sox be the number one team gunning for Otani next year? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even thinking about next year. He'd be a hell of an addition right now for a franchise that I think, you know, you're not so much a fan anymore, but you, you still watch him. But for a franchise now that's kind of kind of caught in the middle, that, that getting Otani would set the direction. Like, you are, he, you're moving forward. You are not rebuilding. You're not worried about developing your prospects. He's, he'd be the target for every team in baseball. So, I mean, there'll be a lot of teams in on it, but it's going to be, it's, it'll end up being one of the real big franchises, so Boston will be in the mix. My God. Think, think, about, think about the deal. So we just had Juan Soto turn down the deal. was, what, 15 440 so just under $30 million a year. Uh, what today, did Austin Riley sign a 10-year 220 today? I think that was the deal. What the hell is Otani going to get? Oh. Would you, would you sign, actually, this is, I, I think it's a good question, so I don't like to, pre- but... Would you sign a guy who is a dual position, you know, pitcher hitter, for that long, knowing that there's the risk that the elbow gets shredded? No, I don't. I don't he's 28 already, right? So I, I think he's probably going to be eight years for 400. <laughs> I think it, <laughs> yeah, right. That is awesome. It, it's kind of similar <laughs> in my mind to the Debo Samuel situation, where the okay. guy plays two positions. Yeah, you you want to be paid as you know the higher paying position, obviously, but you add so much more value. It becomes complicated for teams to figure out exactly what you're worth. Yeah, it's tougher in football uh, because, you know, the shelf life, it's not, yeah. you know, I mean, Pools is 90 and he can still hit. Uh, <laughs> Debo, Debo Samuel is not going to be playing in 12 years. Dave Kokins with us. Wagertalk.com. It's Cofield and Company. Of course, Dave, part of DC and the Sunshine Man. For years, he joins us every Monday. We talk a little baseball. We talk a little betting. Uh, last one on baseball. 
The Astros got Trey Mancini from the Orioles. Yeah. Can they do a little of both here? Because I want them to add. They're a, they're a little ahead of schedule. Don't, like, don't go crazy. Don't trade an elite prospect. But can they add as well? I guess. I think the Orioles are probably somewhat happy that they're ahead of schedule because the young guys they're calling up, are, are they're producing. And they've got more on the way. So I think if they can, you know, I know they're in the race right now and they want to get to the postseason, but I think they're satisfied with what they got from Mancini and uh, they're moving forward. you got to take baby steps in that division. All right, Dave, we got to close on this one. This is kind of right up your alley. A lot of people right now are looking at Deshaun Watson going six-game suspension. Ridley out for the season. It's called indefinitely. Can you differentiate for people? Or maybe you're on board with them. A lot of people are saying, how the hell did Ridley get a whole season and Watson only got six? Um, probably because Watson's the star quarterback. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, let's get real about it. Yeah. That's why. Well, I would tell people that there's gray area in one case and there's no gray area in the other. That too, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't pay much attention to that stuff anymore. If he's playing, okay, I'll handicap the game with him in the lineup. And if he's not, then I'll handicap with, it, with him not in the lineup. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what took place. And uh, I guess we'll find out more in the civil court proceedings. Yeah, I wonder what the – Adam, have you talked to anyone what the point difference is from Watson at quarterback to Jacoby Brissett? Is it, is it four? Is it more? It's a good question. I'll try to find that out uh, before the end of the show. What do you think, Dave? You know, we've had years past where Aaron Rodgers, you know, yeah, being backed up by Brett Hundley was uh, like it was like freaking eight points. Yeah, uh, I think four might be. You know, I haven't thought about it, but I, I think four could be about right because he, you know, he hasn't played in a long time now, and there could be some rust early on, new system, and you know, he's not Aaron Rodgers. Let's put it that way. Last one, Dave. Are you a week zero guy? You already get bets down for college football yet? I will. Okay. Uh, I've only made one bet so far in a season wins prop. I think Nevada's going to be really bad. And, uh, <laughs> okay. uh, I mean, really, they could start 3-0 and with their schedule and then never win again. Yeah. But I think they're the worst team in the Mountain West, even worse than Hawaii. Uh, I think you could argue Hawaii might, you know, based on what's returning, Hawaii might be worse. But I think Timmy Chang's going to improve the culture there immediately because it was a disaster last year. And Nevada's just... Uh, they're in worse shape than UNLV's ever been, maybe, in football. I mean, this has been – they've had the worst offseason of any team in college football. You know, that said, Hawaii's playing week zero. What a litmus test. I mean, if it goes wrong, what what a disaster. Vandy at Hawaii is now seven. Yeah. Well, I mean, Vandy ought to handle them. They're they better. An, an SEC team. But Vandy had, what, two wins last year, and those were both by a couple of points. So, who knows? I, I actually think Chang might be a – a nice fit there. I mean, the kid's obviously smart. He's homegrown, uh, and uh, he doesn't have any talent on the team, but it's got to be better than it was under Graham. No doubt. And they, they were actually they were decent for much of the season last year. They, you know, they had a stinker here at Allegiant against UNLV, so I think they got a shot to be. But your, your, your point about the, the culture – uh, Timmy Chang's yeah. going to change everything there. And there is something very unique about the Hawaii football program. So, Dave, what do you got going on? A wager talk. Uh, a lot of college football, I assume, some NFL stuff, and uh, clearly the, the Raiders game tomorrow as well. Check that. Yeah, Thursday. Um, yeah, Thursday. Um, yeah, it's just a scrimmage. I lean Jacksonville in the game. Right. Um, 
basically because Peterson, his first year with the Eagles, they went 4-0 in the preseason. And McDaniels, his first year in the Broncos, they went 0-4. So maybe Peterson might be more interested in establishing something early. And, you know, the Raiders, the Raiders are in a lot better shape than Jacksonville heading into the regular season anyway. So it's just evaluate and put things into place and keep everybody healthy for the Raiders. They're a playoff team. Jacksonville is, uh, uh, I mean, if they moved all their games to London and played against <laughs> European football teams, maybe they'd make the playoffs. Dave, you're the best. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care.